The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. Friendship started out of a declaration of a declaration of love. We took that love and we transformed it into a trust and a friendship over time. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem. We work to find rest and fight to find peace. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos, and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos. So today, Andy, we have a friend of mine. We do. Yannick Heinrich. Yannick Heinrich. We're going to talk to him about having trouble making male relationships. This is a interesting topic from your friend Yannick. Well, so I, I have a second company, as you know. It's called BaseTraining.nl. Yeah. Yannick was one of the people that joined in the beginning oh, when wow. I was doing just offering and testing it out. He was my, one of the guinea pigs, and he gave me really nice feedback. Oh, sweet. And, you know, on that journey, I saw that there was vulnerability and we, mm. we had breakfast together on the breakfast. This subject came up. Oh, nice. So we were having a very deep conversation, very vulnerable. And in, in some respect, I would say loving and gentle. Mm. And in that, he had to acknowledge that, wow, this is something that I yearn for in my life. It's difficult. And he doesn't always know how to create it. That was pretty much the the. The gist of it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow. So would you like to talk about this on a podcast? Fast forward, what is it now? Three, four months later, mm-hmm. we, we are here with him. How, yeah. how are you with uh, male friends? I mean, I, I mean, I know you hang out with me a lot. Um, you know, when I was, because I was much more sensitive as a kid, most of my friends were females. Hmm. And what I noticed was that um, was that the I wasn't into the macho thing. Like I wasn't really interested in in cars and in the things that were more masculine. Football, right? football, either. No, I mean I played, but it wasn't like that. Didn't give me my um, my excitement. And, and what I noticed is that uh, there's a camaraderie that comes when you share the gridiron sports. So these sort of more bonding rituals almost. Yeah. So if you don't get into that as much, then there's something that, that you, you float around a little bit more cause you don't find the groups that, that bond around that sort of thing. Mm. So I had a lot of female friends and I had crushes on a lot of the female friends, but I was always too anxious to say anything. Because I always felt uncomfortable. Like, it's called you were friend zoned. No, I don't necessarily know if I was friend zoned. Actually, I mean, in retrospect, I, I, I love the no. <laughs> well, well, I mean, the the truth is, is that they would be really close friendships, and I'd always say I don't want to mess it up. So I never mm. never really thought that it might not have been also reciprocated. It was very much more like uh, I'm a bit shy and I, I could imagine if I went back to them and said, hey, uh, I thought you were attractive. They might have also said the same in that time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because it was a very, uh, you know, there was two sides to it. There was that side of I am sensitive and I see that when I say the things that are in my head to the male friends, they kind of look at me and make grunting noises like, why are you overthinking and thinking so much? Like that's often a response I would have. And, um, and then of course, when you're with the females then you're more sensitive and then uh, that the humor is, is I didn't even realize that that was in some ways more appealing to the females at that time. Hmm. I'm not even sure if that's true or not, to be honest with you. I think in college and high school, there's still an attraction to this masculine 
to the machismo and the men. Yeah. Right? I think it could, like, people graduate out of that as they get older. Yeah, you, you would hope that. Yeah. Hmm. But how was it for you? Because you also have, obviously, a more softer nature. So how was it for you in Cyprus? Yeah. Well, my culture is very macho. And yeah. I remember growing up, it was, it was really difficult for me to find connection in general just because I didn't have that connection growing up. So in order for me to make friends, I would often lie. I create these huge stories. Wow. And, and, and kind of, you know, we, we weren't very wealthy. So I would create stories of that my uncle was some national geographic explorer somewhere in the world. And yeah, I was connected to him, imaginary uncle, by the yeah. way. And, you know, people would eventually discover and I get bullied, I get beaten up, name calling and yeah. shaming. And I only realized, oh, wow, or like underneath all those stories. Um, I just wanted love and connection. Yeah. I wanted to be cool. I wanted, there was, like a guy would come to school and he'd be wearing back then the Reebok pumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you remember it. And everyone would be looking like admiring these. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I, um, hey, dad, can I buy Reebok pumps? <laughs> no. And then we would go in and I get these little flimsy trainers. <laughs> uh, so I would say I was a really try hard yeah. and I just didn't have anything for friendship. And there were a couple of people in school that were sensitive. Later on, I saw, I discovered that they were gay and they tend to be my friends yeah. back then. Yeah. So they were more towards the gentle and loving. It's side. funny because both of us uh, have a predominant of gay friends in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and interestingly, I've, often associated with the two qualities, one higher level of sensitivity at that age. And the other was that they had overcome something that was challenging and yeah. built character. So I really saw that that was something that I had a lot more of in my own life. I think it's similar for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it'd be great to bring Yannick on and sort of dig into his how does it feel to have Bombo say, hey, he's an acquaintance twice removed? <laughs> I, would say, I, would, I would say that Bombo knows exactly that, you know, it might have been just once or twice, but when, but when a connection is sparked, it is, it is what it is, and you just, you just take it in the moment. So, uh, yeah. Um, I really recognize that in Bambos. I recognize that sensitivity. And when, when, uh, I remember Bambos, you're a very hugging person and, uh, and I am too, you know? And so that, that was like a very, like a very easy, like, Hey, I like hugs too. Like, give me more of that Bambos. <laughs> so yeah. that was, that was a good first encounter. Again, Bambos is a great, a great trainer that focuses a lot on the, on the, on the rhythm you have in your own set with your own self, with your own body. And, you know, as he said, I was a, I was a guinea pig and a feedback giver and very happy at that. So, um, it was a good encounter. Thanks. What were again. your first impressions of Bambos when you met him? Be careful because this might define the future of our Why friendship. is he crying? Why is he crying all the time? <laughs> <laughs> Cause Bambos, for yeah. those that don't know this, I mean, I'm sure you've mentioned this on your podcast, but Bambos tears up a lot. And so, it makes his brilliant eyes look even more deep and emotional. And so uh, it's quite the, uh, it's quite the impression. We've never talked about it on the show, by the way, 255 episodes. We've never discussed that. Actually. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring that forward. Yeah. Do you want to do a short? Maybe I it was because it was 5am and we were, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I would say that it's, it's a, living in Holland. My eyes are quite watery, but when I was in Cyprus for three weeks, I discovered that in Cyprus, my eyes are not watery. So somewhere in the climate of the Netherlands, it really impacts my eyes. Is that right? Yeah. I, I always associated the tears with some discussion we were also having. You know, I had a lot of theories, but when I went to Cyprus, like, oh, apparently this is not happening in Cyprus. Okay. Yeah. I was looking. I thought maybe the bike, the wind in my eyes, but I was yeah. riding a bike in Cyprus. Wow. So, Yannick, my first question to you is, why, why didn't you hang out with me again, man? Yeah. I, I, re I really looked for you, and I was thinking, uh, like, 
it, it hurt my heart. <laughs> really? Um... You are such a bastard, Bombos. Look at him. He's Probably, in the look at me. Look at me. I'm just, I'm just looking for answers. Looking for answers. <laughs> there was no specific reason. Uh, no specific reason, Bombos. Uh, I was very happy to encounter you again by chance when you returned from your travels, and uh, and happy that you gave some space for uh, for the breakfast, we, the breakfast we had at your place. And um, we'll find time for it again when I'm back. Yeah, uh, you, you look like you're really, you, I mean, I also know you've been traveling a lot. You were in Mexico, you came back, now you're in Barcelona. You, mm, so it looks like you're really um, not in one place. I, you know, with the, with the pandemic and the, the, amount of, the amount of time and like space we had to think about what our priorities were, I, I found that one of them would be to take chances when they come to you sometimes and uh, a good friend of mine from mexico was in barcelona for a few days and so i decided to to make the to take the plunge and and go meet her and her boyfriend and her and some nice. of their friends here nice yeah so when i think of friendship or relationships in general my brain always goes back to parents and how i relate to my parents and i'm wondering if you feel like, what was the connection between your papa, you and your mama? It's, it's good that you call it papa, because that's exactly how I call my parents, right? Uh, maman, for my mom in French, and papa for my dad. Um, I would say my mom and I always had a more explosive relationship, uh, understood each other on a, on a deep level, of, I would say an emotional level. And I would say my father was, I would say more of, in my childhood at least, a figure that I cared more to impress perhaps, or to be more present around. Uh, but again, you see your parents evolve, you see your parents age, and you see their own vulnerability. And so I, I don't know how much I can refer to my past images without them being tainted by my present ones. So. Uh, I, I grew up with parents that were supportive and wanted me to just be be, be happy, be well with myself. And you both refer to things that I that I identified with. Again, my, my reflex of saying, "Oh, this is not an issue I have anymore," is of course it is an ongoing thing. Uh, how we relate to others. Also, in my childhood, I felt I had some issues I had to overcome that made me more sensitive. And you both refer to things that I, that I identify with. Also, grow, growing up in Mexico, just like you grew up in, in Cyprus, Bambos, you see a lot of these, these archetypes of, of man that are reflected in, in young boys. And, of course, also on women. Um, but, yeah, I, don't, let me, don't let me get lost here. <laughs> would you, would, did you consider yourself sensitive as a kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would, say, I would say I definitely was. Um, and how did that was, like? How did that manifest? Like, what would we have seen in you that you would have made clear that you were sensitive? I think I was a very I was a very curious child, and I, I once I saw a footage once of, of mine where I'm explaining I'm explaining how impressed I was by some pyramids we had seen in the jungle in um, in Chiapas in the south of, southeast of Mexico, and the way my eyes are sparking as I explain why I'm impressed, uh, why I thought, you know, I was impressed by the monkeys and so on. I think I was always a very curious and very um, dreamy child. And um, I wanted to, I wanted to find people who I could impress this with. And that was not so easy for me when I changed countries, when I moved to Mexico from Switzerland. And definitely, when you're faced then, when you're 10, 11 years old and you're trying to fit in and you find yourself without friends, you notice that you are, you feel weak and you feel your, your sensitivity is uh, a disadvantage. And that I think is a really, really difficult situation to be in as a young boy. Like then you go through puberty and you're wondering, okay, what sort of, what sort of models can I model myself? Um, can I guide as, 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 
as I become as I become more mature and and you might not even have a reference of of what a sensitive man is and so you you try to toughen up you know you try to stand your ground I think schools um, I I also developed like layers of that I thought were like complex uh, scary whatever um, you figure you try and figure it out you know and it's and definitely I would say also always been really into music and 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 I like art I like the I like the sensitive I like the appreciation of beauty of inner feelings of others yeah yeah it's interesting because as you speak I'd say that there's a lot of us in the world that we're very sensitive as kids and our environments were more, in my, at least in my case, were more nurturing towards the more masculine way of archetypal living. So encouraged to get in sports. And so, you know, I, I enjoyed art and I enjoyed music, saxophone player. That came in time. But there were things that I was attracted to. Yeah. And what I saw was that in a way there wasn't as many people in those groups. So like you say, you're a bit more alone because I think what I also mentioned earlier, when you're more macho and you're in more macho groups, that's a natural defense because if there's power in numbers when you're young and if there's the numbers are also aggressive, then you feel a sense of strength that doesn't come from you, but it comes from the group that you've just put yourself in. And they give you plenty of validation, right? Plenty of validation. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I, I remember feeling threatened in my in my self-image of what a young man should be. And I remember like violence boiling up in me. And and luckily, you know, luckily I have friends who have warned me, who have reminded me over the years. I have a sister who has now that I have an ear to tend to her, who has starkly reminded me of how how things used to be and how this would boil up in me. And it's not a healthy, it's not a healthy ground to live in. So I, I've asked myself what, what a better, what a better model could be, you know, what's a more, more sensitive embracing model could be for, for a child. And this is getting to a, 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 a another point, which is very much connected to this is we've discussed a lot on the show about polarity and when you repress a certain emotion or when you don't allow it to live freely, that it then flips and you have another expression. So for me, and I'm, it was similar for you in our discussions, and I imagine for you, that in being more sensitive, how was it then when you did your flip to now being aggressive and defensive? Where did that show up in your life? Uh, I, I think there's been many flips, right? There was a flip where I realized that uh, that it was okay to be to be sensitive and and to show that to others. I think one of the most significant flips, um, well, I would say a recent flip was when I was living in Beijing, and I was going to Renmin University for an exchange program. And during that time, I had just left. I was studying in the UK at the University of Warwick, and. My second year there was a mixed experience. I was trying to find myself with activities. I was, I was going through a period where I was asking myself, what is right to eat? How, do you, how, do I, how should I behave in society? I tried veganism for a while, and it didn't resonate at all with the people that I was seeing in, at work. I, I didn't surround myself with people that were receptive to this. So I... I left Warwick with this impression of, well, here's me, and I can try this anew in China. And in China, here I was trying to, you know, seeing myself as in a new skin, and I find myself judging another, another guy called Simon, who was the most sensitive man I had met thus far. He was the most sensitive man I had met thus far. He was full of emotion. He would embrace me. And I found myself a little bit defensive in his presence, a little bit. He did one thing once where, and I think this is a fantastic story. I don't know if he will ever see, uh, hear this, but he came into my bedroom. He asked me if he could turn off the light and it was pitch dark and he sat in front of me and we talked and we talked about how we felt and how our semester was going in, in pitch darkness. I, I, I had no, I, I don't even know how he came to this idea, but it was, it was very, it was very interesting to me. And I thought, oh, that's quite interesting that I, 
feel uncomfortable in, in this presence. And then one day we are coming back and it's New Year's Eve and we've just partied a long night in Beijing. This is 2013, maybe a little bit more, maybe a bit more liberal than, than it would be now. Not sure. Uh, and we're, we're back at the university and the sun is rising and we're dancing and he joins us and he is, I look at him and his eyes are full of tears and he thanks me for, for being there. And I remember feeling like this guy understands something that I don't understand or I didn't understand before. And he's sharing this love with me now. And it was, it was a very insightful moment for me where I came to understand that I was capable of loving and I was capable of receiving love. And I think the latter is even more important because maybe the reason I was judging him was that I didn't see myself as, as worthy of, of that sort of affection. It, I, felt, I felt inadequate in that moment. And, and this was a really important lesson for me. And I think that I now give to people, not similar, but my own kind of love in a way that I believe is true to my, to my inner feeling and, and, and makes me feel comfortable, makes me feel good. And so I, 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 thank, I thank people like Simon who taught me very positive forms of, of love and affection. And that's one positive switch. If you want to, we can talk about the, the switch that happened more in my childhood when I decided to become what I saw as a tougher version of myself, even though, you know, I, I obviously think, I think, fragile. But, um, I think when Andy asked the question about a flip, it's when we suppress something, then we kind of get the opposite effect. Am I right? It was, but I didn't care. He answered it a whole other way, and I was, I, I'm kind of on the flow of the answer. Nice. You had a few things that, as you spoke that came up for me. Um, interestingly, is that how do you navigate this sensitivity? Because I've found, at least in my life, that since I've been more sensitive, male relationships can be challenging because males will think that I'm gay or they'll hope that I'm gay or they'll try to flip me to gay because they're thinking, oh, he doesn't know it yet. You know, I mean, I've got friends from like high school that probably would say he's, he's gay. He just doesn't know it yet. So the, the question for you is how is that for you? Yeah, I think embrace, embrace that. Like the people cannot, like some, as long as you're not being explicitly sexual, which I don't think you are, otherwise you wouldn't be surprised by the reaction. You know what you're emitting, you know what message you're giving. And if that message is a loving one and one of affection, you can clearly, you can clearly mark your boundaries uh, in a way that doesn't have to be so, so stark. You know, it can be a, a simple, I really appreciate you, and that is not synonymous to I want to sleep with you. And, and, and you know, the reason people might see that as gay is maybe they're not used to um, someone who, who likes women appreciating another man as much. But I think that that is not your direct concern until it becomes, of course, then you need to, you know, create some distance. But it, it has happened to me too, and I... <laughs> I used to be conflicted by it as well, and I spoke to a friend of mine who self-described himself as the gayest straight man. And I think like it's all a blur, you know. And we, and it's it's not so much about what you are, but it's about what you're what you're bringing out there, what you're open mm. to, and what you're when you tell yourself I want when you tell yourself you're open to surprises and you're open to growing. What does that mean for you? You know, I'm I've I've never been as such per se attracted to men, but I've always told myself that I'm not one to control that, you know, there's nothing there to control. It's just, it's just what we emit. And so I think that the way I deal with this is that in most cases, I take it as, as a compliment that someone appreciated this energy. If it depends, if it's more of a, or this intention, whatever you want to call it. And if it's more of a thing that you need to create or you need to help someone understand that it's not sexual i think it's also good to explicitly say that hmm. um it's it's not it's not taboo yeah hmm. how, how is but it I, for I, you? I appreciate that because it's a it's certainly something that when you said that you had friends that were gay or were more effeminate and so on i i understand that it's uh it's not always obvious to be to be very sensitive um at an early age and to 
express that freely. And so I really admire, I really admire the men and the women who are, who are expressing their, whatever they find themselves to, to feel at the moment to fully express that. Hmm. When, when it comes to expressing love to your male friends, and let's say you've got your more sensitive male friends and you've got the more macho, you know, they're, they're, they, they might not be so in tune with their sensitivity, but you love them just because of how they stand in the world. But so how, how do you, what happens where you, when you want to express love in these two domains and anything in between? I mean, you might know this from Cyprus, but in Mexico, it's a, you know, quite a, quite a stereotypical macho society with just an incredible amount of, of uh, gender-based violence and so on. A lot of the men that, you know, proclaim to be or self, self-identify as very manly and would be uncomfortable with the idea of talking about their own, their own, um, their own sexuality, whatever. If you tell them something related to their anus or their testicles, they will get sensitive and very uncomfortable. But if you give them a few tequilas, they suddenly start slapping you and they start hugging you and holding you yeah. so close and 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 they end up all embraced drunk and it's like okay like you just had to have a bit of alcohol to to get rid of your barriers but i think i I think deep inside it's all it's all a blur like there's those that are so keen to identify as not something there's a reason for that too (laughs) Hmm. i think it's identity that that you're that you can get stuck with i think that you can choose not to identify as well Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, how do you guys feel about that? <laughs> well, I, I think for me, if I really feel appreciation for a brother, um, I, I don't per se adjust myself. Like yeah. I, I'll, I'll tune into in the moment what I feel grateful for. And most of the time that gratitude might be um, hand in hand with tears. And I'll, I'll share it with them. And I have male friends that I see will sit in front of me, looking at me. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> and I, I, in that moment, I don't need them to be anything more than that or less. Like, I feel really grateful that they're there for me and there's, there's this, I can share that with them. Mm. And they don't need to respond in the same way. And I, I just see an incapacity and it's okay. But, but the fact that they, they stay in my life and sometimes I get a message in a few months like, hey, man, thought about you, hope you're good. That's their way. And I'll fully receive that as the love. And yeah, I do have other friends where if I, if I, if I share it the same way, they're like, come here, man, I want to hug you. And like, it's so nice to receive this. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that I have a lot of friends that... Uh, it'll depend. Like if I go back to my high school and college, if I see them, then there'll be a hug, which is sort of like kind of let let our shoulders meet a little bit and then tap each other on the back. You know, the, so so your crutches don't touch. Yeah. Oh, for sure not. (laughs) That that would be unacceptable. Like it would just be too, you know, there would be none of that loving embrace because that would just be like inviting too much uh, connection. So, um, so I've seen that a lot in, uh, in most of the circles that I've been in is that there's far more of a, we're going to touch, but we'll touch in a way that you feel safe. And it's funny because I, I would be more touching and more affectionate. And what I also saw was that like in work, um, you know, I, I remember walking up to uh, my secretary and just touching her on the shoulders and thanking her. But like for me, without any any sexual thought, like, thank you. I'm so appreciative of what you're doing. And then and that was a really big deal. Right. Because that could have been a misinterpreted. And I didn't even think about it because my intentions were clear in me, although I didn't realize that they were processed differently by the receiver. Yeah. So think, that yeah, also think, yeah. changed a little bit of my perspective of like, even if this is how I show affection, I'm very conscious that everyone has their own way of receiving it. Yeah. I've heard him say, I love you to clients. What do you mean? Oh, I yeah. always say I love yeah. you to clients. Yeah. yeah. I love you. And it's really beautiful uh, when I... Andy, when I, Andy, I think on this, on this topic, it's, 
it's something that has, uh, for me, like struck me deeply is that you learn how you connect and you learn your own depths and you start, perhaps that only happened to me, but I started expecting people around me to reciprocate to depth, depth and intensity of connection. And I think that is part of a problem that I think men need to talk about as well, is that if you're becoming sensitive and if you're becoming more in tune with yourself, that doesn't mean that that is what other people want to receive or it doesn't, it also shouldn't come with the assumption that someone will feel uncomfortable, uh, will feel comfortable with exactly that intensity. So what Bamos was saying about being in tune with others, I think is very important because, hey, like I, I barely have any experimenting how, how flexible I am with my own barriers. And that doesn't mean that someone else that I'm talking to has exactly the same code or the same uh, way of looking at the same problem. So I think it, there's also a space for 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 growth in 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 knowing how to hold your space and and allow for the very simple connection, perhaps eye contact um, or action or like certain gestures to to express that entire love that you might want to express. But it's just mm -hmm. an opening to it instead of always being full on, which I think that I have a tendency to to be a bit, you know, a bit much sometimes for some and for others, oh my God, this is exactly what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to, to receive. And I'm getting that, but sometimes it's, I think it's important to put others, to put others first too, when you're, when you're interacting them, trying to understand what their, yeah. what their language of love is. Yeah. I, it's one thing I think the there again i'll always pull from the idea of the arrogance of thinking that one way is better than another way uh and and it's humorous because i think for years especially when i kind of went uh, you know and found the mentor who was then teaching me and then i started feeling like all these type of interactions are better than any other interactions so it was very much like this <laughs> yeah. is the interactions i want in my life and if it's not that then these people you know, either get out of my life or, you know, so it's a very, uh, it was like that, that restless, I know better, I know better, but not even stated openly. So it is this quiet, uh, arrogance. So I, I can certainly relate with that moment when you realize everyone gets to decide how they want to relate with the world. And I get to decide what I want more of. And, and I kind of see that in my now life is I get to invite people. And if they don't come to be and share in that space, then that's just their prerogative as it was my prerogative to invite them and for them to decide for themselves. Mm. And I think I, what I've seen is I've alienated fewer people when they haven't met me. Because before I would have been like, even there, even if it was subtle, it would have been a bit about them. It would have been a little bit like you're not able to. You know, right. sometimes I'll hear when you say that, and I, that'll trigger me slightly. It's light. It's not a heavy one, but I'll, I'll feel it sometimes when we'll talk. When, I, when I'm talking about women. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, Especially, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been mirroring me on that. Like, sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm not attracted to this anymore. I will, or, And he's been inviting me to talk about more of what I want. And when you share what you want, it means you don't... If, you don't you don't point the finger at people when they don't match that and it's it's just a, a more loving way of communicating and uh yeah he's been fine-tuning me <laughs> <laughs> just in the uh, it, it's funny also because uh i, well, I do have a I, I have a male friend also who i didn't see for a year and a half because of covid actually three years mm. so just before covid and um i'm like hey should we have a video call so we're having a video call and we're talking and at some point he's like, Bumbos, why did you, why did you reach out? Because he thought there was a purpose or I wanted something from him. Yeah. And I, in that moment when he asked me, I, I, I started crying and I just said, because I love you. And I saw that when I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't hold that back or deny it. And then he, I saw him relax into the conversation because he has a, a position as a leader in the world of what he does. So a lot of people will call him because they need something from him always. And from was like, I love you. <laughs> just, yeah. just the joy. Uh, and I missed you. That's it. Yeah. Simple as that. What you were saying about fine tuning, it's, it's uh, your friends fine tune you and, and your environment fine tunes you in some ways. And 
I, what I found is that in that interaction with them, when you're when you're hearing feedback or when you see them act in ways that you find inspiring, is when you get to know yourself too. Um, and so I, it's always it's always very simple to give gratitude because they provide so much of a so much of a mirror or so much of a reflection as well. About a month ago, one of my favorite. Uh, cousins who lives in the U.S. told me a good friend of his lived in the Netherlands and he lived about an hour walk from here. So I got into contact with that person and I said, hey, why don't we meet and just have a, 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 um, a drink or coffee or something? Yeah. And then the yeah. person was not clear of what the purpose of that meeting would be. And it was interesting because in a way... I also know I'm busy at times. I don't have much space. But in a way, since I'm, I'm walking two to three hours a day, I thought the purpose is to have a coffee. You know, I think it, it took him a little bit of time to realize that there is the opportunity just to meet without needing any transaction in it. But I think when he got it, it was a little bit confusing and also refreshing. And, uh, and so we met and it was right. a really nice time. It was the funny part of it. I didn't tell you was that we left and then um, I, I went to his, the village he lived in and we walked and then he, and we were saying goodbye. And then I said, no, I'm going to go into this. It was a Jewish cemetery. The first cemetery, uh, Jewish cemetery in the Netherlands was in this place. And he lives in the village and he'd never been to that cemetery. So then we spent the next half an hour walking through the cemetery together and just sharing that beautiful experience. And I think the, the, the beauty of it is that neither of us knew what that meaning would be, nor did it matter. But the beauty was that there was a connection that was just beautiful in that moment. There was a lot of, uh, I would see, reflection of one another. We could see each other in our stories, which just made it nice. And then not to need anything more made it even that much more beautiful because there was that beauty of just it was a moment that we could both share and enjoy. And we don't need to say, oh, my God, now we're friends. Can we call each other? What are you doing on the weekend? It, it could just be a beautiful moment. Yeah. And I find that that's not easy to do often with men, at least uh, in my experience in my 50s. How many male friends, like, do you have at this moment? I don't know about most. I, uh, I think every time I move locations, I... You know, I put out some some types of signals to see who reciprocates, and I've made a, I've made a couple of 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 good male friends, and it's uh, it always is a, t a process that takes some time, I think. But I don't know uh, I don't know how many bamos. Uh, if I if I can think of two good friends in Amsterdam, that's already that's already good for me. Good, good male friend. It's good to have company. I like it. Yeah, it makes it easier, I imagine, just to have a, a talk like we're in a bar together. Bolalong from South Africa is writing. He says, I connect better to women than men as friends as well. I am not a macho man and I don't care about sports and labels. So I think that he also, that's probably something he identifies in us, obviously. Bolalong, what are you wearing? Is it a bow tie? In the picture, it looks yeah. like he's got something. I think that's... Uh, a beard that he has growing there. And he also says, and I don't understand by the wording, he says, I've recently been proposed by a male friend. For marriage, I assume. From what? For marriage. No, because he is married. So he can't be proposed if he's already married. Or maybe it's a proposal for something more sexually, but we'll have to let him be more specific. Yeah. I've recently been proposed by a male friend, even though we never pursued what he was suggesting. Our relationship is much stronger now than before. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine as well. I can I can identify with that directly. I have a one of my closest friends, uh, guy friends. Uh, our our friendship started out of a declaration of of let's say uh, of appreciation of, of more of a, a declaration of love, and uh, we took that love and we transformed it into a trust and a friendship over time. And it's uh, it's malleable. 
Yeah, I'd say the same. You know, I wrote about that story in, in the, the Wounded Healer, the book that I just did, the last book, which Rambus will raise up because that's what he does. Um, the, I had a college friend who I lived with and and he was he was not out yet and so we lived together and he was in love with me and i didn't know at the time it was only years later he wrote and shared the the you know that you know and i i, I was of course stupid because he'd buy me perfume and things and i just thought he was like a nicest guy like i didn't really think m- much of it then but the thing is is till today we're we're incredibly close because as you said there's a trust that builds up when and I and I also feel like it's when you don't need to reject a person for the things that they are and for what they feel because you can separate that from actually the loving friendship. And I think a lot of people who are so, especially like use the word homophobic just because that's an easy label to throw out, who have problems with their own femininity, whatever the word is, however you want to phrase it. That person has a harder time being with the uh, individual because at some point they feel like if I allow them in, am I implicitly saying that I want more? Because they don't know how to deal with that Mm. boundary that you discussed earlier. So we became closer because I had no problem with the boundary and I was just happy for him because I loved him and there was no reason that he should suffer, right? Mm. Yeah. I think the vulnerability that he expressed uh, by saying that, by, by declaring it, is what a a good friendship can can start with. And I think that when when I discussed with Bambos that I sometimes had a hard time making friends uh, with, with guys, is I think that that is often what is lacking is a vulnerable place to start with. To I find that if you're faced with a crisis in life and you show that to someone else, they have seen you in your most vulnerable or in a difficult state. And I think yeah. they are now know, they now know that, they, that you can be trusted for them to show that state as well if it ever appears. It often is a difficult, uh, it can be a difficult thing to know who you can talk to when it's, when it's, uh, when it's dark or where you're having more difficult thoughts. And I think uh, that, that can be enriching um, whilst also, yeah. I think, at the beginning at least, a bit scary mm-hmm. for people. Yeah. I, I think in my own life, Yannick, also as a photographer, if I go into a company and I photograph uh, individuals, like the journey that I invite them into is to be vulnerable, to, in a way, unmask and show themselves, because that tends to be the space of us being more authentic in the imagery that we capture, and then the images work as... Uh, being relatable and I've seen that the men who have been able to show themselves even reach out to me after the shoot and a friendship is born like we'll have breakfast together um, and I, there's a few quite a few individuals right now that I that I've grown very close to because of that mm. and for them even though they might not always be able to be vulnerable with me I feel fully received when I'm with them and I know it resonates for them and they're just trying to find the way to that space. So it's, um, it's very beautiful when it happens and where I'm, where I might feel uncomfortable still till today, um, is if I'm in a male setting, like a men's group and I, and I see performance, and it, I'm very sensitive to that. And I, I, I see that I, I'm not always able, or it takes me time to embrace it in the other person, to just see it as that's where they are. Like, part of me wants to push it away. And the other part's like, okay, how can I embrace this? And, and how can I sur- relax into it? Because in, the, in a way, it's also, um, performing is also a tool, I would say. And they use that tool for whatever purpose in that moment to protect themselves or identity or whatever. Isn't it sad that we, and I speak in the we form, not this individual, that we at times aren't able to be vulnerable because we don't feel safe and secure in the environments? And, and, and that's exactly what's behind that. 
I would say so. And and what had to happen to a person so that they didn't feel safe and secure? And then all my compassion is raised up because now I'm only sitting with God. The more sh- shut down, whatever the word we're going to use to describe a behavior, the more they must have had stuff happen, which makes it really hard for them to be that to be fully vulnerable. Right. So I even say the more somebody is and I use the word now because we used it performing, the more compassion I have for them because there's something going on that they're not able to let their full, full vulnerability be shown yet. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can see something like that, but you might even be wrong or you might. Uh, it might be sometimes the best thing to just accept or just add be or or, or mind sometimes it's just best to mind your own business too and i and i and i think that as very sensitive people or person as a person sometimes you over you're overconfident in that you understand the situation and i think that that can also lead lead you like not everyone wants to dive as deep right now right and uh yeah yeah hey, they don't yeah, they- necessarily want you to mind mind that yeah my brother uh, yes. I would I would describe him he's emotionally not available. <laughs> uh, and to so all the Demetrius out there watching so, right so now. <laughs> um, and given his profession, I get it. He's mm. a paramedic mm. and he sees a lot of death, he like limbs being cut. So in a way when you're doing that job, you you do need to shut down a part of yourself. Mm. So you can stay focused and pleasant and potentially save a life. Yeah. Because if you're getting emotional all the time, you let it in. And then you, how do you function? Mm. So I, I, I see that when I'm with him, if I share some silence with him and we do a bit of eye gazing and communicate love in that silence, he actually can go to his tears. Mm. And he's like, you're trying to make me cry, aren't you? And then he's like wiping his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Blaming you for how you make him feel. So so in, in a way, I, I, I can also see that being um, sometimes life conditions are a reason why people have uh, yeah. shut down in quotes. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. You know, one of the first times I felt the depth of what a, a male relationship could be was when I lived in Japan. And in Japan, they have uh, uh, something they call ishidenshin. I always forget if this is the correct pronunciation, but it's the thought that there is a capacity for one to have such an empathetic state that they can read one another's minds. And... There was, um, and I learned a lot because, of course, if you see the movies, you see there's fewer, fewer things spoken because everything is so subtle and understood because of nuance, not because we've said it all in words. And when I left Japan, and I mentioned it before on one of the other shows, my, my dearest friend at that time, Hideki, we knew that this was going to be the last time we were going to spend all like that time together. And so for the last week of my stay there, he came and slept at my house. And it was like, because we knew that we were only going to have a week to be able to spend time near one another. Mm. And, um, and, and I mean, he, w- he had a girlfriend, Maki, who, you know, w- we were all very, three of us were very close. And she was looking at the two of us like, like we should be put into an insane asylum. But, but it was like, for me, and still till today, it's one of the most beautiful things because I felt, and I, I remember at the time saying, I'm not denying how hard it is for me to leave now. And even now I feel like I get emotional about it. And, and I want to not pretend and do the masculine, it's going to be easy, we'll deal with it, we'll see each other. All the words you say to pacify the pain of that loss. And, uh, and that, that time he spent there was almost, for me, I would say the full embrace of what it meant to leave and leave him in that in that moment, yeah. That's that's wonderful. Do you do you think that an experience like this redefined what you saw as masculine? I don't know because what I've seen is that I, I've lived in I something like seven countries now for for prolonged periods and you as well 
So what I know is that I adapt to my environment and it's hard to distinguish how much is it me evolving and how much is it the environment that I'm allowing to influence me and now through that I'm interacting differently. So in a way there was a sensitivity in Japan which taught me a lot about myself. And and I was doing things before but it was only when living there I understood. So I I remember there was a story and it's it's in the new book actually when you get to it. It was I a friend's brother died and I ran onto the basketball court and I hugged him while he's playing in a game with people I don't know and he doesn't know and I didn't care. I just ran up and hugged him quietly, didn't say anything and then left. And that was that was that was just and I did that at I don't know in my early 20s. And and I, I would say that that was a time I understood that you love and affection is actually the greatest gift you can give another because they'll feel their own pain through you creating space for them to feel it. So I knew it at 20, but I didn't live in a society like Japan which allowed quiet to be so prominent in terms of an interaction. So there I began to see more how it showed up in real life. like how a society could allow spaciousness for emotions without everyone trying to fix or heal or tell people how they could make it better. Yeah. Mm. I don't know if that answers your question but that was the yeah. The the count uh, humorous to that is you also said that you know being in a country when you look in the eyes and you create connection if you did that in Japan everyone would move away from you cuz the eyes are the the mirrors to the soul so you never look at anyone in the eyes of course so in, a, in the connection there using the eyes would be a threatening really? yeah yeah cuz we know how powerful it is so if there's that much power in it and you live in a subtle a subtle energy and you're looking at someone in the eyes imagine where you're that open and 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 feeling everything around you and someone's pier- piercing their eyes in yours you 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 know it's 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 overwhelming yeah i did find that with with my time in china where i lived for three years that um the distance that is often kept between between people isn't isn't so much an emotional distance it's more of a understanding of the body distance where you don't need to have physical touch for everything i'm i'm all about it but um i learned to also have more the the voice and and the smile or the eyes express something that is like for example i i, I it, this always was so funny to me but in, in groups you know like people people sort of wave at each other from from further away and go like, hey is that yeah <laughs> they're like it's it's a different type of intimacy. Yeah. There's a friend of mine who writes uh, the edits the books that I'm writing and he's incredibly sensitive. He's a Mormon from Utah. All of that combo didn't make for a very good um a good childhood uh, upbringing because they wanted a more macho child. So he sent me a video. He said if you want to understand my life, Andy, watch uh, this video. And for those who haven't seen it, it is an absolutely painfully hysterical video. And it's a video which is basically from Saturday Night Live, the you know, the TV show in the US on Saturday nights. And it's it's this thing called the wishing well. And it's basically it's a wishing well that it's a it's a, a gift you give the child that's overly sensitive and you fill it up with water so they can look in the wishing well and think about all their emotions and so what it was it was pointing at all these sensitive kids who can't get into football and sports and uh, the more masculine things so he said Andy that's the that's that's that was my life so you have to look at it it's just to see it if you're sensitive and you want to have a a a humorous glimpse on it that would be it wishing well set in that life with fisher price playsets some kids can be four star chefs some kids can win the race but some just long to be understood 
Introducing Wells for Sensitive Little Boys from Fisher Price. Wells for Sensitive Boys to wish upon, confide in, and reflect by. Some boys live unexamined lives, but this one's heart is full of questions. Just hear how much he loves the well. You don't want to do the commercial anymore? Okay. Okay, he wants to go back to the well. He'll enjoy running his little fingers around the edge of the well. On days when he's had too much, he'll lean on it and contemplate his reflection. Some kids like to play. Others just sort of wait for adulthood. So what is he putting in there? A secret. He'll grow up to have a wildly passionate and successful creative life, but not just yet. Hey, Spencer! 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 Spencer. Yes, also, check out other cool new toys for our sensitive boy line, like balconies for when they're ready to announce something, or a shattered mirror to examine the complex contradictions of their being. That thing's weird. I don't get it. That's because it's not for you. Because you have everything. Everything is for you. And this one thing is for him. Wells for Boys by Fisher Price. Don't just give him a Barbie. I mean, it is like that, but that's just part of it. I'm a little bit quiet because uh, when you shared your story with your friend, hmm. I mean... It's something that uh, me and Andy are quite close, and, I'm, and it's something that I'm anticipating because, and first week of October, I'm I'm uh, going to Cyprus mm. to explore what it's like to live there, and he's going to Spain, and and not only are we going to be apart because uh, Andy, I would say, is not only my mentor and coach, but he's also one of my best friends, and I love him. He's like family to me in a Western society where, you know, living in Holland, relationships are very different as to my culture. Sometimes a little bit more transactional. And with Andy, there's a, there's a love and a care, which I potentially didn't even get from my father. Mm. So I sometimes, and I, like the one thing that I find most difficult in me, even exploring Cyprus is, I, I'm not going to spend as much time with him. And it hurts. Mm. So what so, do you do with that? Oh, when, when he said, uh, when he said um, his friend came and stayed with him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to be with suitcase here like yesterday. <laughs> uh. Hmm. Hmm. it's not a bad idea and it's perhaps a, I find that when you said that I I felt it in some way too that you were that you will miss him and and it's a, a healthy reminder to appreciate people when we have them near us oh I, I told him last week I'm, I'm appreciating every day that we spend together doing this show hmm. well, I'm sure I'm sure you shower him with love no doubt yeah are you going to do the show uh, in distance? Uh, we're going to we're we're, we're gonna have a little <laughs> sabbatical um, three months. Yeah, then- we're going to figure it out. There's so much change. And I noticed in myself when, when there's something new, this green field, then I don't want to be bringing old patterns into the new environment because I don't know who I'll be there. You know, I'm, maybe I'll be bored off my tit and I just can't do anything, but I need to do the show. Or maybe I want to spend the whole day farming, learning how to grow vegetables and learning Spanish and getting lost in a whole nother life and let that reshape me into something again. Yeah. And, uh, and I find that the more space I leave for that, I can allow that to unfold in ways that might surprise me. And, uh, and I like to reinvent myself. I find that if we, if we think we're a certain thing and we try to reinforce it, then, uh, then we just continually stay in, a, in, in one way of, of living and being. And life doesn't get as interesting. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You can so, let so the surprise re- fill your life there. Yeah, with, yeah. with that respect, Andy's also leaving for Spain because he bought a house there. 
Yeah. So, so in a way, we're both exploring living outside of Holland. Yeah, and interestingly, Bambos was the one who decided first. So Bambos says, I'm going to live outside. And then that kind of became another impetus for me to explore what life would be if I just went to another space to see what it might look like. So that, that became its own, its own inspiration. Thank you for being with us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Nick. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.